0: Welcome to Faith Church. We're thrilled that you are here. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Matthew, and uh, right after service, my wife Amber and I will be at the welcome spot. Uh, if it's your first time, and we'd love to, to just shake your hand, say hi, get to know your name a little bit. Uh, love, love love to do that. You know, uh, my wife and I, uh, we are a uh, a package deal, so to speak. Uh, not, not in the sense that, like, If I commit to something, then by default, she is fully committed to the same thing. Uh, That's not necessarily what I mean. I'm not saying that because uh, I work full-time at the church that therefore my wife is now obligated to uh, work full-time at the church. Like, that's not the package deal. Uh, I I don't mean that we're a package deal in the sense that we're going to dress all twinsies all the time. (laughs) Nope. Not happening. When it happens on accident... I'm like, babe, I'm changing. Give me a minute. Like, it's just like we don't, we don't do that. That ain't, that ain't how we roll in my house. But nonetheless, we are, we are one. We, we, are, we are our package deal. In other words, I don't have any friends that my wife doesn't like. We don't have anybody over to our house a second time that one of us is like, nope, don't like them. Some of you are like, that's why I didn't get invited back to dinner Maybe, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But, but, but to 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 love me is to also love my wife. Like we're a package, we would have a problem if you were to say, I love pastor, I just can't stand his wife. Like we would have an issue. I would lose my salvation and freedom in that moment. Like, like we're a package, like we are together, we are one, and we, we love each other, and we love you, and you love us. It's, it's, a, it's a one and the same kind of, kind of a thing. I can't tell you, though, how many times I've heard people say, I love Jesus, I just can't stand this church. I love, I love Jesus, I just don't really care for Christians too much. It's, you, what you need to understand is that the church... Is the body of Christ. The Bible refers to us as the bride of Christ. It would be like uh, saying, I love Jesus, and you just like cut off his head and carry around his head because you love him, but you like leave his body. It's a little morbid, I get it, but like, come on. Like, I love Jesus, I just don't love, love, love the church. We've been in a series. Where we've been talking uh, and answering this question, who is our neighbor? And once we answer the question, who is our neighbor, we then have to answer another question of how do we neighbor them? Once we identify who our neighbor is, we have to answer the question, how do we we neighbor them? Oh, I wanna talk to you this morning about neighboring Christ's bride. Neighboring the the body of Christ. More specifically, I want to talk about how do you neighbor this local body? The people that you're sitting in rows with. How do you neighbor them? How do you love them? How do you show God's love to, to them? How do we neighbor one another? Now, when we talk about loving one another and we talk about loving the local church and we talk about loving the body of Christ, I I just need you to understand one, one thing. I'm kind of coming at it like full on. All my cards are on the table today. Uh, I definitely have an agenda. I definitely wanna help you uh, motivate you to get into a small group. I definitely wanna help you realize that you weren't meant to live alone and that God has a plan for it and you're not really gonna fulfill God's purpose for your life if you're trying to do it all by yourself. I definitely have have an agenda, but I have another another motivation as well. And, And here's my motivation. I love the local church. I really do believe that the local church is the hope of the world. Let me, let me take it a step further in case it's not clear. Uh, I love this local church. I love this place. I, don't, I may not know all of you very well, but I love you. I love what God is doing here. I love the spirit that he's creating. I love, I love what we get to be a part of and the impact that we get to make in our community and around the world. I believe that God has a specific calling for our church. One of the things that I really deeply believe about this local church, about Faith Church, is that, is that we are called to change and shift the culture that we live in. Whatever industry, whatever sphere of influence you find yourself, whether you're a stay-at-home parent or you're working in the school system, whether you're ed- you work in the hospital or you work in public service, whether you're working in construction or you're working in another environment altogether in news outlets, whatever environment you work in, whatever part of culture you are a part of, you and I, we are called to make a difference and shift it for the kingdom of God. I believe that with with all of my heart, with everything inside of me. And I believe that that we can do more together as we grow large than if we just stay a a few people. Like We have the opportunity as a body, as a large congregation, as a growing congregation to create bigger impact for the kingdom of God than what other people can do all by themselves. I really, truly believe. Believe that. But as we start talking about the local church in particular, I recognize that there are some natural tensions that occur in the room. There are some natural things that that I'm I'm conscious aware of today because for some of you, when I talk about how amazing and wonderful and God's plan for the local church is, you're sitting there thinking, I had a bad experience one time. I, I remember getting run out of churches because I didn't Act this way, dress this way, talk this way, and you are still scarred from a bad church experience. I get that. And I'm sorry. I realize that for some of you, you're like, I do love Jesus. I I just have a hard time with other Christians because they're so hypocritical. And you're right. They are. We are. But we're not hypocritical because we're Christians, we're hypocritical because we're humans. So as soon as you find a human that has no hypocrisy in him, let me know. You may have found Jesus incarnate a second time. And that's going to blow everybody's mind. Right? Like, I get it. And, and, and there's just a tension around this because anytime we start talking about loving the local church and, and the goal of the local church, it's like everybody has like a bad experience and we all just want to talk bad about the other experiences that we had. And that's a a problem. I think that sometimes we we sit in these moments and we're here talking about the love of the local church and loving other believers and, and the people that we worship with. And we live in a society today where the normal is to call out other believers who have fallen. And we publicly criticize and demonize people who don't think and act and look like us. And we crucify anybody who's a Christian who doesn't act or doesn't do the right thing or they had a bad moment or whatever. And we've become perfectly okay with criticizing our own. Even when they feel crippled or cut down. And we undercut and we talk about other people's ministry and we don't like this ministry, it's too big. And we don't like that ministry, it's too small. We don't like this ministry because they're not worshiping the same way we do. it. And, and, and we look at all the different local expressions and we start criticizing and, and condemning and critiquing and all of, these, all of these things. And there's a tension that can grow on the inside of us. But, but I'm not wanting to talk about that. I'm wanting to talk about you personally and your role and the importance that you have and the impact that you can make and the strength that God wants to develop in you, in your faith, and it and it's only going to happen when we when we understand something as it relates to this local expression, and the part that we play in this in this community of of believers. And, and I know that as we start talking about this. Uh, about how important it is to, to get in small groups and to get to know some people and to get into community. And we start talking about this and we talk about how it's important that the body of Christ takes care of one another. All of the needy and clingy Christians get really loud and they start coming to the surface and then, and then, and then everybody wants to start talking about how it's all about Acts 2. Everybody go back to Acts 2 and we're all gonna meet in homes and that's it. And if you're meeting in a congregation, you're wrong and you should all just be in a home and we all just need smaller and smaller and smaller and freedom and everybody can do what they want and we don't need organization and everybody can just do what the Spirit, we just need the Spirit, we don't need organization and I would tell you you're wrong. You may say, "This I don't like organized religion. Well, I understand that. Jesus was organized though. Jesus had a system. Jesus put systems in place to be more efficient in what he did. The only way he was able to feed 5,000 people is he first said, great put everybody in groups of 50. And he had 12 disciples who oversaw those groups of 50. And they distributed the food to the groups of 50. Jesus was all about systems and structure. Jesus was all about having organization because he recognized that the organization and the structure allowed for greater impact down the road. I believe in structure I believe in organization. I believe in all of those things. And it's going to sound like for the next two weeks that I'm going to be talking out of both sides of my mouth. And I am. Because there's a tension that we have to live in. Here's the tension. We are going to grow larger and we are going to grow smaller at the same time. Here's the tension. We're going to find a place where everybody can belong and everybody can be known. But not everybody needs to know Everybody. There is this tension of, of both, and, and Jesus himself gave some specific commands to us as believers as we follow through, as we walk out, as we live out this mission, as we go on this journey. And, and, in, and in John chapter 13, Jesus says some really, really amazing things. And, and I want to share it in a way that, that maybe you've never seen it before, because for me, I had never seen it before like this until I was really diving into it this week. I, I want to share Something that that Jesus said that just kind of of messed with my head a little bit. And John chapter 13, if you have a copy of Scripture, I'd love for you to to join me there. And we're going to start in verse 34, but kind of catch you up to like what's happened in the story of the Bible and in the story of Jesus up to this point. Uh, Jesus is meeting with his disciples in what's called the Last Supper. The last time that he would hang out with his disciples. These are the final hours, final moments, final final day and a half of Jesus' life. John 13, 14, 15, and 16 are like this ongoing conversation that happens around this dinner. So that's kind of what the setting is. They've all kind of gathered in this dinner, Jesus and the 12. He's already washed their feet, right? Like they've already done that where he's gone around, washed all of their feet and been an amazing thing. He's already broken bread and talked about communion and a new covenant, right? Like the bread, it's my body. The, the wine, it's my blood. He's talked about all of those things. They've dipped bread and they've eaten and they've discovered that Judas is going to betray Jesus. And Jesus is like, eh, somebody's going to betray me, turn me over. And Peter's like, "Uh, oh, ain't me. And Everybody starts looking. Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Judas is like, hey, my name's Judas. I'm going to betray Jesus. Could you pass the salsa, please? Like it's an awkward, Moment at dinner for sure. And all of that has now transpired when we get to John 13, starting in verse 34. Listen to what Jesus says A new command I give you. Everybody say, New command. A A new command. This wasn't a new suggestion. This wasn't a good philosophy. This wasn't a good poster. This, this wasn't a good, uh, hey, maybe if it's optional, if it feels good, then do it. No, this was a command, Jesus was saying. And he was saying, I'm giving you a new, new command. What's really, really interesting is you dive into it. Most theologians believe that Jesus wasn't talking about a command as it relates to loving each other. That's not the new thing that he was talking about. Because he's been telling them for three years to love God with everything you have and love other people. What they're saying, what they believe, that what Jesus is likely referring to when he says a new command, he's actually referring to this new covenant that he's about to establish. This new idea that that what God does with bread, how he blesses it, breaks it, and gives it away, how, how he did the same thing with his body. His body was blessed by God. He showed up on the scene. His body was broken and poured out for all of humanity to come and find unity in the family of God because of what Jesus was about to do. And that's the covenant that, that Jesus is talking about. A new command, a new, a new covenant I'm giving to you. A new, a new, a new set of, of ways of doing things. A new communion I'm giving to you. A new, a new common Union, I'm announcing to you today. A new new common unity, I'm establishing today. A new approach and a new paradigm to community, I'm establishing for you today. A new way of living your life and discovering that God wants to bless you He wants to take you to himself, and he wants wants you to be a part of impacting the world and those around you, This, this idea that within you is the ability to meet somebody else's need. It's a new community. It's a new common unity, a new command I give to you. Jesus goes on, here it is, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Love one another as he loved us. Loved one another as he has loved us. Love one another as he has loved us. Love one another even when they mess it up really bad as he has loved us. Love one another That the people that he's bringing into your life, that's, that's what you love. You love one another. It's not love one another that you agree with them, not love one another when you can win a debate with them, not love one another because they vote like you, act like you, talk like you, look like you, dress like you, have the same background and story as you. It's love one another as he loved us. And by that, the whole world will know that you are my disciples. I wonder if the world has lost sight of what it looks like to follow God because the people who are following God have lost sight of what it looks like to love one another. He's not saying the way that you love the sinner is the way the world will know that you're my disciple. We'll talk about that next week. He's talking about the way that you love for the people that are sitting in the same row as you on a Sunday morning. That should be the pronouncement to the to the, to the fame and to the name and to the glory of Jesus Christ himself. The way that you live out this common unity is the way the rest of the world will know they must be following Jesus. I should follow Jesus because I don't have that kind of community in my life. I don't have that kind of common union with anybody. It's all fickle and foreign and based on works and what they can do for me and a tit-for-tat society it's it's all about this versus that it's that's what i've experienced people letting me down all the time but but there has to be something different there has to be a different foundation and they're living it out and it's and it's growing and it's spreading and people are discovering what it looks like he didn't say that the world will know about jesus by your love for one another He said, the world will know that you belong to him and you're really following him by the way that you're loving one another, the way that you love other believers, the way that you love Christ's bride, the way that you partner and engage and create covenant with the church, with the body of believers, with those around you. He didn't say the world will know that you belong to me because you have great charity. He didn't say the world will know that you, you follow me because you send out missionaries all over the world. He didn't say the world will know that you're my disciples because you have the Holy Spirit and miracle signs and wonders following you as you believe. He didn't say that's how you're going to know. that. He said the world will know you're my disciples by the way that you actually love, get along with, and care for one another. The way you show up in somebody's life, time over time, over time, developing relationship and friendship and having this common unity, this community amongst yourselves that is so vibrant and alive and unconditional and full of life and blessing and promise and, and purpose and partnership, that's how the world is going to know what it looks like to follow Jesus. But by the way that you live out and do that with the people. Around you, <laughs> I think that there's something in us that's, that's beautiful and wonderful about this this big congregation and this growing congregation that we call Faith Church. Like a, something amazing. In fact, in fact, as a growing congregation, we can do more as we continue to grow and have a bigger and broader and a deeper impact in our community. I believe that there are problems that the city has yet to solve that is waiting for the body of Christ to wake up and to say, hey, we can solve this problem. We're going to take care of it. We're going to do something about it. I think there are things that have yet to be, to be articulated or to seen or things that have yet to be unknown, and even in the, the systems of education and healthcare and other places within our and, and And I believe that there are seeds of faith growing within this community. And, and as we continue to grow larger as a church, as we continue to allow our faiths to be pillars in this community, I believe we can affect change and create a real shift. And and there's there's like a tectonic plate kind of shift that wants to happen in the spirit because the people of God are full of the faith of God and are alive in Him. I I see that there's so much that yet can be done. See, I, I believe that there's a lot of momentum and movement that takes place when we gather as a congregation. If something happens in worship when we're all worshiping together and it, there's something stirring in us. There's something that, that grabs a hold of us. There's something that happens that's almost like you can almost touch it and feel it. There's a thickness sometimes in this room and it's the presence of God. And it happens because we all together have congregated and we've gathered together around a common purpose and there's, a, there's this momentum that happens. And we can move forward in the mission of Jesus as a congregation. We absolutely can. But friends, moving forward in the mission of Jesus is not the same thing as you growing as a disciple. Just because we show up to church and we learn something in rows every Sunday doesn't mean your faith is actually being activated and growing the rest of the week. Listen, we, got, we learn really good in, in these rows. But I believe that we actually develop and grow as disciples when we circle. When we get in a circle with people. I believe the mission moves forward and we find momentum when we gather as a congregation. Yet it is, it is the personal growth that you'll experience when we group into circles. Circles are better than rows. To borrow a phrase from Andy Stanley. It's something happens when we circle up in smaller groups with other people. It's like we begin to be known and they can know us. Circles are not clicks. Our connect groups are not clicks. I don't believe clicks are of God. Clicks say, I found my few and no more. Y'all figure it out on your own. No, no. A click is a closed circle that can never open again. I believe our circles ought to always be expanding and making room for at least somebody else. The circles of our relationship, the circles of our friendship always growing and connecting and and, and developing. My wife and I, when we first first started Connect Groups here, A couple years ago at our church, uh, we decided to be a part of a connect group. We just wanted to attend one, and Kevin and Stephanie led the group, and it was in this connect group that we developed some real cool friendships with Darren and Christina, and Uh, Drew and Janet. And we've got some friendships that exist that are still growing, still a part of our life. We attended the group. It was wonderful. But we also uh, got to the point where we stopped attending the group because we just recognized that there were more people who needed a place to circle up. So we're like, you know what? We're going to go start a group and make sure people have an opportunity to circle up. And, and so for many of our group leaders, those who are leading connect groups, they started to lead connect groups not because they were looking for new best friends, but because they wanted to create an opportunity and facilitate opportunity for you to find somebody that you could circle up and grow in relationship with. Because circles are just so much better. You actually can begin to grow in the context of a small group and in, in, in a circle. I believe Jesus' mission moves forward in the crowds, yes, but disciples are made in circles. Disciples are made when we decide to sacrifice and to give and to get to know somebody else and allow them to get to know us. I don't believe that the call of the church is to be a place where everybody knows everybody. I don't believe that's healthy church. I do believe a healthy church, though, is where everybody can be known by somebody. You don't need to know everybody's name, but somebody needs to know your name and your story. And sometimes we settle for knowing people's names, and we never really circle up to get to know their story. And we never let them know our story either. And there's something that happens that there's a transaction that takes place in the context of a small group, in the context of these circles, because it's in these circles that we actually have space for conversation. It's in these groups that we actually have space for personal growth to take place. See, we can learn a truth in rows, but it's in our circles that we discover how to apply that truth. And until you learn how to apply the truth, all you're doing is hearing and forgetting. Well, we don't want to be hearers only. What else is we want to be doers of the word? The transformation in your life and your faith that you're longing for is on the other side of the relationships that you've been avoiding. <sighs> that was good. It was unplanned. Not in my notes, but it was good. The transformation in your life that you've been needing, longing for, hoping for, the sense of community that you've been wanting and needing and looking for, it's on the other side of the struggle that you feel like it is and to build the friendships and the relationships. I I think that we can lovingly reach further as a crowd for sure, but it's only in our circles that we actually can reciprocate that love. The, The... See, if, if all we're doing is looking for the church to provide for our needs, the big organization known as the church, then all we're doing is creating a transaction. It's a transaction in exchange of goods and services. We'll show up when you need us, and you keep showing up every week and giving something in return. It's this reciprocal give and take, it's a consumer based approach to life. Now, I'm not all down, Debbie Downer, on consumerism. I'm really grateful for it. I like being able to show up places and not have to cook. I'm good with it. I like being able to to purchase something and somebody come in, install it, set it up, be it all done, and great service. I'm all for it. In fact, next Sunday, I'm going to talk to you about how we leverage consumerism within the local church. I don't think it's a bad thing. But we can't stop at consumerism. We weren't called to grow in the place of consumerism. We weren't called to just goods and services and look to the conglomerate known as the organization of the local church and, and expect them to meet all of our needs. The, there's actually a component of loving like Jesus. He didn't say the world will know you're my disciples because you receive love from a local church. So the world will know you're my disciples because you're giving love. You're giving love in the context of it. You're, you're, you're a disciple because... And that's what you you just give, you reciprocate it, you give it away, it comes to you, and you give it back again. There's people in your circle that need prayer, and you pray for them, but then there are those moments where they need to pray for you, and it's in the context of small groups that you actually begin to develop the relationships to where you know you have caring relationships in your life, that when you need to move and it's pouring down rain, they'll show up with their trucks and say, hey, let me help you. It's, it's in the moments of showing up to say, hey, listen, something's going on in my life. Listen, if, you're, if our first response is when crisis hits in our life, when tragedy hits, when, when we've got a, a surgery and we've got other things coming, if the first response or only response is I need to tell the church so they can all pray, that's an indication that you're doing your spiritual walk wrong. An indication that you're doing it all alone. I, I love praying with people. I love loving on people and walking with them through life. But if you don't know anyone else to call, it's an indication that you are anemic in healthy relationships of a spiritual nature. The world will know you're my disciples, not because you attend church, but because you love the people that are part of the church. You, right here at Faith Church, we don't we don't have a prayer chain. To be honest, we'll never have one. But you know what I do love to hear about? are prayer groups that form over a group text message. Because there are people that you actually know that have your number, that you know you can text them and say, I need, I'm praying here. Hey, would you, I need you to pray. I'm getting ready to go into interview. I'm getting ready to do this. I have a test today. That's community. That's the community that God and Jesus wants to establish in your life It's the things that he wants to establish in your heart. It's, it's in those moments where you actually get to know somebody and somebody gets to know you that you know when life hits, you can call them. You know when stress hits, you can call and they're gonna pray with you. They're gonna love you. You're gonna help you through. If you don't have that, start creating that. Take a step and begin to do that. The church is not here to fill your social calendar. With bingos and barbecues. We wanna create and make it a space where you can take a step, where you can build relationships. But at the end of the day, you will get into relationships because you decide to put something into those relationships. The Bible says if you want to have friends, show yourself friendly. Nobody ever asked me out to lunch. Who have you asked out to lunch? There is an organic nature to this. There is an element that says I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach out to somebody. I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna invite somebody into my circle. I'm gonna create my circle because I, I want to develop these friendships. I'm gonna do this. believe that in this next season of our church the way we continue to sustain healthy growth it's connected to our willingness to get into circles and to form healthy relationships it's in the context of small groups that we provide pastoral care I believe 90% of pastoral care is just having somebody there who cares I don't need the word pastor in front of their name They just need to be able to look you in the eyes and say, I love you, I'm praying for you, you're gonna make it, I'm here with you. That's what you need. I'm gonna be praying, I'm here, I'm available, we're gonna love, we're gonna serve, we're gonna do all of those things. But at the end of the day, you need people that you've circled up with that you know beyond this moment, they're gonna walk with you still. They're gonna walk with you further. They're gonna develop this community, this bond with you. I wanna challenge you today, church, Take a step, try a connection.